0: Whether you like your coffee hot, cold, dark, or not at all, this is going to be the show for you Conversations over Coffee. What's going on, podcast? It is Colin of Colin Can Help. I am on my way to Ohio City to go check out Phoenix Coffee to talk with Christopher Farron and find out everything that I can about coffee, about the company, and how to make the best cup of coffee for you guys. Check it out. Alright, so we are live, Uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, just a bit about your background, early years, kind of before the professional coffee life.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So, my name is Christopher Farron, I'm a coffee buyer for Phoenix Coffee in Cleveland, Ohio. I also work as a consultant for coffee companies around the U.S., mostly on the East Coast and West Coast. Uh, I've been in coffee for about a decade, started buying coffee in 2012. Before that, I was a barista, it was my side hustle, I graduated college during the recession, and got the first job I could, and figured you know I would need to save money to go to law school like everybody else, and uh, didn't end up going to law school. Got got sucked in coffee and fell further and further down the rabbit hole, and uh, have been in ever since and seen different sides of the industry, everything from from behind the counter to you know roasting and buying, and here we are today.
0: That's so funny that you said law school. Uh, do you know uh, Charlie Isaac's is at a Portland? Hey, yeah, sure do. That that was the first uh First coffee, first person-to-person coffee interview that we did for the uh, conversations over coffee series, and as soon as you said "law school," I'm like, does everybody that's big in coffee? Do you guys all start at law? Like, this is no it's It law. Law. takes
1: I think that's things.
0: it makes sense. Both both of those people, you need a lot of coffee to keep it moving, like right? Anything like that?
1: Yeah, I think you have just fall in love with the idea of like hanging out at a coffee shop, and then you know, of course, yeah, the, the beverage itself. But we tend to be beverage people. It's a joke that I, you know, I tend to be fisting. I've got my two here, but usually I've got another third lined up. But uh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, where did you go to school? I went to Miami of Ohio. Uh, we had a program at the time; it doesn't exist anymore, but it was called Western College. It was an interdisciplinary studies program, so choose your own adventure. So I studied uh, kind of pre-law, cyber law. Um, I did my thesis on Napster and music file sharing. So kind of completely unrelated. Gotcha. Uh, interned with the FBI. Kind of was going in a lot of different directions and just sort of got captured by the complexity and scale of coffee.
0: Gotcha. And uh, FBI, law school, coffee. So you, you hit the whole gamut of like <laughs> from like wherever you could have gone.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah.
0: So coffee. When did you start drinking coffee? Was just from like the birth, Were you just sipping it no, out. No, I
1: mean I grew up with I grew up with coffee. My parents are coffee lovers, but um, they wouldn't drink at least until recently, until I pushed it on them. They wouldn't drink what I would call good coffee. Um, they they drank what they grew up with. Uh, during the during the fifties and sixties, but uh, I grew up liking the smell but not the taste, and didn't start drinking coffee probably until college. Okay, um, there was a, a local college uh, campus coffee shop um, in in Oxford, Ohio. And so I spent a lot of time there, I wrote a lot of papers there. My, my degree was mostly reading and writing, and so I would be cranking out 40 pages a week with my bottomless cup. Absolutely. And that was probably my first real exposure to specialty coffee before I moved back to Cleveland uh, right after college and came into Phoenix the first time.
0: And Phoenix, you came here, what about Phoenix has kept you here so long? I mean, being that you're so involved with yeah. coffee, like, what about the Phoenix culture that made you stay?
1: Phoenix is different in a lot of ways. Um, you know, We value quality, but quality is just one of three elements. We, we focus a lot on our spaces and the, the customer experience. Um, we care equally about the interactions in those spaces, and that includes uh, interactions between our staff, our staff and customers, or our vendors. And so it's given me a lot of freedom as a coffee buyer to, to build out this program that is really end-to-end much more uh, creative and sustainable and equitable than I would have otherwise been able to do if it were a more traditional company. Um, people who tend to have a lot of drive and independence do well here. Um, and you know, we've, we've had a somewhat self-management, self-managing structure for the past three or four years. And so now that there's two of us administering with the retail managers, again, if we need to turn on a dime and do something different, we can. Nice. Um, so it's 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 an opportunity, creative and agile, and solve problems in real time.
0: That's awesome. And how, how many people are employed in, within the organization? Forty-four total. Forty-four. Yeah. Have you been about that mark, or is it? Are you guys in a growth spirit,
1: or? We've we've added two in the last year. Um, Really, the biggest growth comes anytime we open a new cafe, because mm-hmm. we'll need to staff it with anywhere from five to eight people. Mm-hmm. Um, our production team has been pretty stable. Our, our, our uh, production manager has been with Phoenix since 2006, um, so over a decade. Uh, his his uh, kind of assistant, which is our, I um, forget what his title is, He's our you know, he's our customer liaison. Mm-hmm. He's been with the company for five years, and then I've been 2010 and then uh, my business partner Shane has been with the company since 2014 so we've all been around for a while right and then really it's it's the retail team that builds on that so you know as we look to the future and we we think about what we might want to do next whether it's a new cafe or some different concept or whatever you know there's the possibility that we will grow not only in terms of footprint but in in, in terms of employment,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And what are there any keys or any particular traits and people that you're looking for? I know that you're kind of going every from, from barista to sure, upper management, yeah. but like as hiring, that's always been a small business problem. Sure. With myself and everybody else that I know. Hiring's like, everything. Like
1: you, you, you know, if if you have to fire somebody, it's somewhat a failure. Um, on our end, either because we didn't give them proper feedback and coaching so that they could develop into the role, or because we didn't hire somebody who understood what we were trying to do and that was just a bad fit. Um, So what we we do try to spend a lot of time in the hiring phase, and luckily we're in a situation where there's a a lot of demand for these jobs, and retention is so high um, at this company that we kind of get the pick of, of who we want to work here. So we look for people who... Coffee is not everything to them. Uh, it's really important that they have a balanced, rich life, and they have something outside of work that keeps them motivated and and that they can bring to their job. Because we find if someone's into music or art or whatever it is, it will make the space a little special. Um, and we give them a little freedom to run with that too. Um, so there's that. And then you know you, you want somebody who's reliable. You want a self-starter. You want somebody who's a quick learner and they're dynamic. Um, and then, yeah, just being somewhat autodidactic and interested and engaged is, is everything. Gotcha.
0: And where do you? Is there a particular like place you like to pull them from? Do you like just kind of keep an eye out on
1: just? Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of the recent hires we've had are actually uh, what we call boomerang hires. They're people who worked for us once upon a time, went off, did something else for a while, and nice. then decided they want to come back. Um, And that's really cool because I've I've done that same thing. I went to New York and came back. And uh, what it does is it brings back this wholer, uh, rounder person with all these new skills and experiences uh, to contribute to the organization. Um, So that's been a a recent high. Other than that, the coffee industry is really small. Uh, So every company sort of defines its own culture and, and and type of person enough that people sort of drift and gravitate toward the one that fits them the best mm-hmm. and so you know we we have a, a barista who just left us uh, about three months ago and she's a <laughs> Uh and you know we, we've picked up uh, baristas from other shops too it's just kind of the nature of the thing and you know we, we're all friends in the we're competitors sure but right. we're, you know we all know each other we hang out
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: so we, we understand it's part of the thing um, we also have other, other baristas who who moved from out of town and uh, wanted to continue doing barista work either because of school or you know their partner or whatever. Right. Um, and you know, those have always been really good gets too because they bring a new perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Perfect answers all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, like within the barista, to me, like it seems like that's one of the least respected and hardest actual jobs of like your typical day to day, like. What is it that makes a
1: a good barista to you? Sure. Um, that's a really good question. It's a tough question. I know a good barista when I see someone who has a, a sense of calm and 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 command over over their, their themselves, the workspace, and the environment. No matter what's happening, because there can be a lot of chaos in here. You know, if it's uh, 10 a.m. and there's a line up the door and you know everybody's late to work because you right. can feel it in the room. You can feel it, absolutely. and, and it, they have the ability to keep, keep the focus, keep everything efficient, keep people calm and make them feel cared for all, all in, you know, a 30-second transaction. Mm-hmm. That's a good barista. Um, but it's, it's not just being able to pour pretty lattes or you know, make delicious coffee. that like That's part of it. You know? right. like, I'd rather ha- have you be a B-plus at that and an A-plus at, at, at taking care of every single person who walks through the door. Absolutely.
0: Just from the consumer perspective. I mean, when you're tasting, you're like, oh, that's B-plus, A-minus, it's all the same. But if you're like, man, that took 14 minutes exactly. instead of five. Or, Where are you going to go? Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of yeah. those, you're like, I've passed four other coffee places, why do I keep waiting yeah. here? There's a bagel place over by where I live. I love their Jalapeno bagels. They are <laughs> undoubtedly amazing, but it takes 17 minutes to get two bagels on average. So like, you know, when I'm trying to go in between stops, you're like, I got a guy in the truck, you're like, I don't I can't even afford to buy the bagels anymore because we just we just wasted an hour. But right. when you have the time, it's great, but it's yeah. one of those, there's so many people that keep working through the shift, and you're like, put the bagel in, put the cream cheese mm-hmm. on, give me the bagel. like. Right smile like stop apologizing like I'm not I'm not mad just yeah oh, but let's, let's get this new today right
1: and it's like you know what, what do you want to be do you want to be a destination just cool a lot, a lot of businesses thrive on that vibe um, or do you want to be part of someone the texture of someone's daily life mm-hmm. and that's something that we're really trying to do um, we, we want this to be a this is so-called third place. You've got your, your home, you your work, and then you've got your third place. And that's what we want this to be. It's a hub for the community. You never know what's going to happen, who you're going to run into, what song you're going to hear. Right. That's the type of magic that we're looking for. And what can,
0: what can you say about another thing I love about coffee shop is the regulars.
1: Is the, the, oh, the, yeah. The, the people
0: like, like you said, this is their third place. They're like, you know, it's kind of like cheers in the, at the bar. But you know, it's one of those like every morning. You're like, oh, I see you every time I come in here. Yeah. Are, are there any r- regulars that Stand out to you that come into either this location or to, throughout the years, that just you've made that personal
1: connection. Yeah, with. I mean, so I don't work behind the bar anymore, so I, I'm not the best person to know about the regulars uh, compared to our baristas. You know, you know, eighty percent of the, the regulars by name, and, as well as you know the dog's name and right. you know, where they were last week, and the, it's it's kind of amazing the rapport that you built, just like you would with with a bartender if you were right, right. going every day. Um, but even still, it's it's really cool to see that we we have five shops in four different neighborhoods around the city and every single shop draws its own unique crowd of regulars Mm -hmm. Um, and if they were all put in the same room you'd look and be like it makes sense Uh It's 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 pretty cool from all walks of life Um, and and that's you know an important part of what we do as well as we try to keep the coffee accessible Um, you know it's it's my job to make sure it's always delicious but as a company, we've decided that you know, we're going to take a smaller margin on our coffee. We're not going to charge as much um, because we want it to be affordable to more people. Um, and, and that's really cool because it gives you that sort of really rich cultural experience of regulars.
0: Absolutely. And, and you mentioned the price. Let's go into talking about your favorite thing, coffee. Yeah. So you as a coffee professional, what is good coffee?
1: We define in the industry good coffee as or specialty coffee as coffee that is clean, sweet, and uniform. And when I'm evaluating coffee, those are the three attributes that I look for. From there, you can kind of like build out a little bit better picture if you look at the like the, the body and the structure of the coffee, the balance, the acidity, the flavor, overall flavor, aftertaste, the intensity, mm-hmm. um, and from there, ultimately, I'm not gonna judge what somebody likes, it's a, you know, taste, taste is an aesthetic choice, not a moral choice. Uh, gotcha. So if you like dark roast, that's cool, but I'm, I'm gonna make it as rich, as balanced, as sweet as I can. Um, it's my goal that everybody who starts drinking Coffee at Phoenix can get to the point where they don't feel like they need to put sugar in anymore. If you really like sugar, I'm not gonna judge you for that, <laughs> but like, I wanna make it sweet enough that you don't have. Absolutely, and
0: uh, as somebody that goes all around traveling and looking at coffee, where is the best place you personally have ever gone to see coffee, to
1: to to visit the the pr- producers? You mm-hmm. uh, mean? Well, I mean Ethiopia is remarkable because it's it's the birthplace of coffee, and so you just see uh, you know thousands of different cultivars being grown in, in forest and traditional plantations all over. Um, so it's it's really a different world. Colombia is beautiful and has some of the best coffee I've ever tasted outside of Ethiopia or Kenya. Um, But the place that I love to visit more than any of those is Mexico. Uh, Because it's just, it's the coffee, the food, the people, culture, the mountains, it's got it all. And the coffee is really hard to get. Uh, So that's this extra level of complexity. Why is it hard to get? The domestic market is really strong. Uh, so roasters in Mexico will pay a very high price for coffee that is of export quality Which doesn't leave much for roasters in the US. Gotcha. Yeah, and the, there's also a lot of uh, Difficulty because there's a lack of infrastructure um, There's not a national program to support coffee agriculture the, the way there is in a lot of other countries like Ana Cafe And Guatemala or Seneca Cafe and Colombia um, and so It puts a lot more work on me as a buyer um, to move the coffee to the very few mills that there are to get it processed and out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are of course issues of politics and corruption and narcos and everything else. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's a it's a fabulously complex place with a ton of potential for coffee
0: is it just uh i've heard different things from different people what are your opinions is it like the the latitude the soil just the combination of each of them that make each one of those places just that that right place for it or is there one condition more than another that you think is more important
1: it's a matrix more than anything i mean the the saying that people are using now is latitude not altitude i've had beautiful coffees that grow at 600 meters or beautiful coffees that grow at 2200 meters so altitude may play a role in the density of the seed what more likely plays a role in the, the maturation of the fruit. Um, cooler, uh, average cooler temperatures seems to be a big factor in, in terms of that phenomenon agronomic uh, conditions, the type of trees that they have planted, pruning, the age of the trees, everything. It's its such a matrix that it's difficult for me to identify one specific thing. I will say that my current obsession, I, I've always been obsessed with processing and how we get the coffee from a cherry to green, because every step along the way impacts the flavor, so Phoenix is deeply involved in, in our, our value stream, just how that happens. But um, soil is my latest obsession, because the state of soil on most coffee farms is very, very poor. Um, so we're, we're trying to work with uh, soil microbiologists to improve the health of the soil, to improve yields and quality and disease resistance overall, uh, but also bring out the genetic potential of these cultivars that are planted.
0: Now, poor soil, is that uh, uh, like contamination from fertilizers, just not water, a
1: little bit of everything? It, it could be contamination um, as a result of uh, agronomic practices, which were recommended about 50 or 60 years ago, which were to maximize yields, and that depletes the soil very quickly, Right. it could be due to improper fertilization because they use a crop replacement factor, so basically they look at how many cherries they picked, um, and they decide, okay, well, for each kilo of cherry we need to put this NPK mixture in, and not realizing how much of that goes into to feed the microorganisms in the right. soil, um, so it could be improper fertilization, it could be uh, use of agrochemicals instead of organic materials. Um, there are a lot of different things, or it could just be neglected. I mean, it's it takes a lot of energy to produce this fruit.
0: Mm, absolutely. And
1: so you see a lot of farms that they'll have a bumper crop, where one year they'll produce, you know, two containers, and the next year they'll produce 1.5 containers. The next year they'll produce two. And so you're like, what's going on? It's because the coffee doesn't have enough. Nutrition stored that it uh can continue to not only grow but repair and also produce fruit at the same level every single year and all of that indicates that there's something going on with the soil. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. And uh, you kind of touched on it there. Is there a taste difference or what's your opinion on organic? Should you go organic all the time? Does
1: it? It's a that's a, also a difficult question to answer. I would never tell a. A farmer who is facing complete destruction of their farm because of some sort of disease I need you to grow organic because what what I would be doing is asking them to risk their livelihood um, for what is essentially a meaningless certification just by virtue of economics most of the coffee that you drink from Africa is organic um, de facto a lot of the coffee from Colombia might be biological or use biological methods but it's not certified Um, There's very little certified organic coffee in Colombia. And ultimately, what it comes down to is, even if the the coffee itself is not grown using organic methods, if you use pesticides, if you use fungicides and fertilizers, uh, it's not gonna be in the roasted coffee. There's chemically no difference. Um, So, you know, what I care about is that the tree is healthy, that the soil microbiome is healthy, and that the fruit is delicious. That's that's pretty much it.
0: Makes sense. It's pretty much the science we've used until what nineteen eighty or whatever. Yeah,
1: and, <laughs> and you know, ultimately, I would prefer that everyone move towards organic methods because it, it does have a more sustainable life cycle, mm-hmm. and most of the, uh, the most of the producers that we work with are using fully organic methods. Um, any place where you have issues with water shortage or you know, food shortage, you really want to encourage via whatever the mechanisms you have at your disposal. That um, we're looking after the whole system, and so for us that means paying a little bit more than we should. Should, right. you know, I think we're not paying enough, but everyone else thinks we're insane. Um, and focusing on development work by buying from the same people every single year, even if their coffee is maybe less good this year, I want to make sure that that volume is guaranteed, that price level is guaranteed so that they're able to count on that revenue, reinvest in their farm, reinvest in their community, do whatever they need to do to make sure that, you know, they're looking after their, not only their the, themselves and their families, but all of their employees. I mean, in our in our transparency report this year, I had a feature on, uh I think Esperanza in Guatemala. It's a big partnership we've had for years. And Ana employs, I think it was 108 people. And so it's really a small village to support just this one farm. And so by us paying, a higher price, we're supporting the livelihood of all those people, which is the local town and everything else, gotcha. and, and so by saying we value these things, we want, we want these things to be done with our coffee, it makes everyone else around think about it and look at it and notice it and they bring it back to their own lives, Absolutely. so it does really have a transformative effect.
0: That's awesome, yeah. and uh, as Phoenix as a whole, I don't know like how often you buy coffee, but let's like, say in a year, how much coffee do you guys go through?
1: I was just updating my numbers because we've had very strange fluctuations this year. Um, I would say, I don't know, I would probably have to do the math, let's see, (laughs) if I can back it out here.
0: Sorry for making you do math at the end of the day. It's
1: alright, you know, the calculator does most of the work. So, this is the first year that we are going to qualify as being called a macro roaster, which means more than 100,000 pounds. That's
0: awesome. Um, yeah. Congratulations.
1: Yeah, thank you. I don't know if that's good or bad, but it's it's great. I mean, it, buying once once you hit a certain scale, it's much easier to buy coffee because of the volumes that it moves in um, in a shipping container. So, like, once we hit that threshold, it unlocks a whole bunch of, you know, new options for me.
0: And do you do the roasting yourself, or have I, you been...
1: Uh, roaster? I, I have been a roaster, I've worked as a production roaster, I've worked as head roaster, uh, here I set the roast profiles, so basically set up the way that we, our, our production team then executes the coffee, um, but only, you know, a couple of times a week usually do I actually hop on the machine.
0: Gotcha. and when you're roasting, is, what, is, what are you looking for? I mean, you can kind of touched on the sweets, but like, is, is there any sort of thing that you pretend to do to get the
1: best coffee I mean, uh, out? I'm a very technical roaster, I'm not what you would call an artful roaster. Um, So I have four probes in our machine and I rely on those measurements as well as uh, derivations of those measurements to determine how we roast the coffee Um, because I've found a correlation between what those say and how those progress and certain characteristics in the cup. And so I'm looking for a, a certain shape. In, in those curves as they're tracked over time, and I'm really just looking for the coffee to be developed uniformly, um, and reduce bitterness, reduce ve- uh, vegetal qualities, uh, have a balanced acidity, which means bring out the body as much as possible, and really just have have an overall balanced, complex cup. Gotcha. And uh, where do we
0: want to go from there? I just had. I hate when people say interesting stuff. I'm like, oh, I had a really good one. Like he said, way too many interesting things. Um, Cupping.
1: Yeah.
0: I've only been (laughs) with one over at Four. It seemed like the most, like, out of my league thing I've ever seen. (laughs) What is the key, in your opinion, to to cupping and just finding the different, like, to me, it was crazy. Um, I forget his name. The closer over at Four. Um, Anyways, like, he's coming up with, like, all these, like, crazy things. I'm like, not bitter. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right right
0: how do, how do you develop that palate to, uh-huh. to really bring that the, those flavors out
1: sure so it's critically tasting and flavor memory those are the two things that you need to practice so if you can notice a difference between like if you order two coffees say that and you notice a difference between them that's great that's the first step mm-hmm. uh, you know discernment then remembering what that tastes like remembering what it feels and smells like that's another key thing and then find analogs for that so that you know the more you start to eat a vegetable or a fruit or whatever and remember what that sugar tastes like and that acid feels like You'll be able to draw on that, so it's tasting everything critically. Then it's a matter of practice. Um, I mean, I have tasted thousands and thousands and thousands of copies, and I remember most of them. And that's, that's a, you know, but it, it didn't start out that way. Like, my first three years, I don't really remember much. There are a few that are just like very loud memories, but everything else, um, you know, it, it really... You have to build a catalog so you can hang things on. Um, but like, yeah, all the coffees I bought over the last three oh. years, I remember um, tasting them over over a period of a year from when they were first processed to when they landed. So
0: that's awesome. Do you, do you have that same uh, muscle, almost muscle memory, with other foods or drinks, or is it so Pretty much with coffee?
1: I mean, it's it. it you find that the more you use that, it kind of that. It just kind of that. leaps over to everything else. Yeah, yeah, which is really cool for you know cocktails or wine or whatever whatever you're into. Because uh-huh. um, I think that it can open up a lot more enjoyment because you discover nuance and what you really really like and that's really neat
0: and what is your go-to is it just black coffee is that what you're drinking all day
1: yeah i, I tend to drink uh, we do uh, b60 pour overs at this shop uh, same as charlie mm-hmm. and uh, I, I tend to drink those i drink those at home um, i also like espresso um, but black coffee is my go-to for sure
0: i've I found with especially coffees to me i think they all taste a hundred percent better about Ten minutes after their mm-hmm. their their brew is is that just me or is that kind of a... a I, I think I've I've heard that as they cool down the everything kind of comes out more.
1: That's part of it. Um, there's also this like phenomenon where in the U.S. we are obsessed with the idea of hot coffee, um, but you can't actually taste things very well. the The trick of, of making people like diner coffee is to serve it piping hot, because you're you're unable to physically taste it. The closer it gets to body temperature, the more it comes out. There are other, you know, acids that, that will recombine and volatiles that will recombine as the cup sits. But really, it's that phenomenon of it cooling closer to your body temperature so you're able to taste the molecules better.
0: Right, you're not just burning your tongue. Yeah. It's not just taking like yeah. It's actually like your tongue could actually do what it's, it's, it's supposed to do. Uh huh. Where, like, a, a lot of times you say sweet is the number one thing. And, like, everybody that I've talked to says sweet is the thing. And in my head, it's like you said, diner coffee and yeah. traditional, you think bitter. Bitter, you think of, right. What it's not supposed to be where a lot of the good coffees that i've had recently like it's almost like a teak as it starts to cool down yep. you like
1: lighter body right like this yeah.
0: has all sorts of flowery flavor. like you, uh-huh. that's yeah. where it really starts to come out yeah so the key is just like uh, pizza rolls don't eat them right away just kind of just, <laughs> just wait a little bit huh that's
1: exactly right <laughs> coffee's it's exactly like pizza, like pizza rolls and then you don't want to let it get too cold either just like pizza rolls you know, right you got to find right. that happy medium because there are things that will as the cup goes from hot to room temperature it will become more bitter over time uh, one organic acid in particular breaks down into one that gets more bitter um, so it's yeah about 10 minutes is about how long I wait and same with these things like before you cap it let it sit open um, for about 10 minutes and then cap it it'll taste way better throughout and then it'll the day. just
0: keep it the whole day at the yep. right temperature at that point that's a smart tip yeah um, within the, the cu- cup that's a big thing to me, like where beer and wine and they all have a real big cup. Yeah. Does cup make a difference to you?
1: Um, you I mean the size um, or?
0: Whether it's when you're planning the to-go cup for the restaurant or, you know, the mm-hmm. big cup or even at your home, your, your tumbler. Sure. What makes for, like, is there the right delivery device or is that all just personal preference? You know, a
1: lot of it is personal preference. Uh, I definitely prefer drinking out of ceramic uh, because you get access to all of those volatiles as you're lifting the coffee to your face like even when i drink out of this thing i take the top off Uh, so that i can really smell and get my face in there eighty percent of the experience of flavor in coffee is retronasal and so you really want access to all of that gas um
0: so a wider cup the better that way it's kind of just forcing it into the nose something about the
1: size of your face you know gotcha Uh, and then uh paper i don't love because i taste paper anytime i drink coffee out of a paper cup Mm -hmm. Um, once you, once you train yourself to taste paper, you'll taste it everywhere, and it drives you nuts. And so, you know, even, even steel sometimes I can, I can taste, um, probably because of the smell, but... Um, so I, I prefer ceramic for sure, and that's, the, I think, the best experience for drinking coffee anyway.
0: Is ceramic also going to kind of work on the temperature better than... Yep, because it acts
1: as a heat sink, so it'll cool it down a little bit quicker.
0: And within that, what about iced coffee? What are your feelings on that? So to me, like at our house, my wife loves iced coffee. Yeah. But to me, I can't really get, like I can't (laughs) get behind it. It Sure. It just doesn't taste right.
1: I'm a person who like, even on a, you know, if it's 100 degrees and sunny, I start my day with a hot coffee. For me, that's like the best experience and ritual of coffee there is. Um... But sometimes in the afternoon I'm feeling, you know, light and free. Oh, I can get down with some iced coffee. We, we serve full brew here, um, and in the summertime we'll do a flash brewed uh, coffee, which is hot, hot coffee brewed over ice, and you get a little bit more acidity out of that. And so depending how I'm feeling, I'll either go for the chocolate and sweet, or the bright and fruity. Um, but I, yeah, I can get down with some iced coffee. <laughs>
0: And you said the morning ritual. Uh, A big thing I like to try to talk to the big coffee people is what food do you like with your coffee? Or do you just drink straight coffee and
1: that's it? I drink straight coffee as I'm making breakfast and then I make myself another cup. Um, What's the
0: best food to go with coffee for the morning? You know,
1: it really depends. You get some, if, if you have... Kind of neutral fats like avocado, you pick up a lot of sweetness in the coffee. Um, it's just some strange phenomenon of the, the combining of those two things. So coffees can end up tasting super caramelly or butterscotch or whatever. Uh, I I make sourdough bread, and so I tend to have a nice thick slice of sourdough bread in the morning with something on it, and that te- seems to be a fairly neutral palate uh, for really waking up. Because that's what I'm avocado doing in
0: toast in the morning to really bring out the extra flavors. There you
1: go. Yeah. And it, you know, a little bit of a little bit of salt on the avocado, which will also reduce any bitterness. Because inevitably, I did a really bad job because it's morning, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and then the second cup, I can really taste and enjoy.
0: And at home, are you doing the B60s? Or are you just doing a, a Mr. Coffee? What's what's the go? If, if somebody can't come into Phoenix, sure, I like yeah. to say, if, if they can't come in here, like they should come in here. What should
1: they be doing at home? Well, definitely invest in a high-quality grinder. A bird grinder is, is of the utmost importance for coffee quality because you want the particles to be about the same size so that when you're dissolving things from those particles, it takes an equal amount of time no matter where it is. So, high-quality grinder is number one. Then, if you have a Mr. Coffee Crate, roll with that. If you want to kick it up a notch, get something like a Breville, um, which gets the, the water hot enough that you can actually produce a, a high-quality cup of coffee, if you want to geek out and do pour overs or aeropress or something, go for it. You've got that grinder, it's fairly low cost to, to really dive in from there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I brew V60s at home, um, sometimes I'll brew espresso, but V60s are my go-to.
0: And uh, you mentioned that you taste paper. When when people are buying filters for coffee machines, uh-huh. is, is there a particular... Uh, What's the word? I'm looking for material that makes a better filter than another? Sure.
1: I, I really like paper filters because the, the, the filtration size will trap a lot of the, the oils and the fats and the coffee that, in my opinion, will make it muddy in flavor uh, or it'll make it less articulate. Um, so paper filters are great for that, but I rinse them and rinsing them will get rid of that paper taste. Before you before you do everything you rinse Yep. Um, who, one of the things that I make the baristas do when they're first starting is we do a, a water cupping, which is basically taste water, water from the filter, because nice. I want them to see, like, yes, a B60 white B60 filter tastes like a stale meringue, and if you don't rinse it, that co- that is going to be impacting your coffee. The brown filters are disgusting tasting. You can't rinse those enough. <laughs> the, the taste never goes away. Um, yeah, so I, I would say choose the oxygen, oxygenated white filters um, for most uses. If you really like a heavy cup with without much acidity and a ton of body, then go stainless steel. But um, paper is great.
0: And what about French press, I think,
1: is the other at-home method? Oh, yeah, a lot of people use French press.
0: Do you, do you recommend that? Do you not like that? It's I, not as clean of a cup of coffee,
1: yeah, right? I don't, like, I don't like French press as much because it's not as clean. Um, they're easy to make and really forgiving, which is mm-hmm. awesome. It's very difficult to over-extract a French press. Um, I tend to grind a little finer than most people think. You know, the conventional wisdom is that French press should be ground coarse. Um, I actually recommend we grind it the same as for an auto drip. And brew it in about five minutes, and it'll be a nice, thin cup of coffee. Don't press too much; just pour through the filter, um, and that'll get your sweetest, cleanest cup.
0: And uh, I don't think we've touched on water yet. Um,
1: Water's I yeah. know it's number
0: one. Number one, like the ninety-eight point six
1: percent. Yeah. And uh,
0: do you recommend going just Brita, bottled, or?
1: I, if you're lucky and you live somewhere like Cleveland, which actually has really good public water, then you can pass it through a Brita filter and you're good to go. If you live somewhere like Southwest Ohio or California, that won't get, that's not going to do the trick. So you're better off buying bottled water or buying distilled water and adding minerals to it. Um, if you're super geeky and you want to build your own water, um, but using you know. They usually say on the bottle what the total dissolved solids or TDS is. If you hit somewhere in the 50 to 125 range, you're gonna be fine. Um, Cleveland, we're really fortunate. We could just pass it through our, you know, our membrane yeah, and okay. charcoal filters, and we're good to go. Even at our cafes. Right. That's awesome.
0: That's, that's always good, good to hear. You, it's always like, you never know what's coming out of the water. Oh you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: and it, you know, some of it depends on the building. If you like our warehouse district isn't. A, really, really old building that sits on some of the oldest infrastructure in Cleveland and so that just the amount of sediment is disgusting there, so we have to have a pre-filter before our, our brewer filters just to block that sediment from getting into the rest of the systems. Nice. Um, but, you know, every, everywhere else it's just remove the chlorine taste because the chlorine fluctuates based on the season. And uh, then you and, and remove some of the hardness because that can impact your, your boiler and your machine. And other than that, you're good to go.
0: Did you teach yourself all the science? You said if you want to geek out and make your own water, but I mean, oh, you sound like a mad scientist
1: yeah. and, and yourself. I, I I mean I do have a, some educational background in science, and so that helps. Um, but a lot of this is new uh, in the industry. But there you know there's a book on water chemistry for coffee, and I've read it. I own it. Um, there are books on coffee roasting chemistry. I've I read them and owned them. Um, so yeah, I I am wait well, I guess I am fairly self-taught, just because it's so novel. Um, but if you troll around on the internet enough, you'll, you'll start to pick it up. Absolutely
0: i think I, that's what i've learned from my own life. like i have this, you know i went to lakeland i did the little marketing courses everything but what they teach you in school is already five years out of date and mm-hmm. most anything that's a, a you know coffee or any, any marketing anything that's current is yeah. out of date by the time you' yeah. in a college class where you know anything i don't know how to do whether it's a lawn business marketing or anything fixing your car right youtube twitter instagram <laughs> by, the, by the time you do somebody an knows an hour to yeah. ask a couple people some questions exactly. the next thing you know
1: yeah and the cool thing about coffee is that it is such a strong community where people are very generous about their ideas and you know even even the professionals who you know I I work as a consultant sometimes and the thing the advice I give is valuable Um, but if someone has a simple question about a principle or a concept I want that to be understood and so I will take the time to, to explain to somebody you know oh here's my preferred water recipe or whatever or Why don't you try using this size basket instead of that one? You know, different little things um, just to sort of advance the narrative and see what discoveries are made over there so that when it comes back to me, it'll be a little better.
0: And as a consultant, uh, where does that take you? Do you you travel all over
1: to do that or do you kind of just
0: telecommute for that?
1: Yeah, most of my work now is done remotely, um, which is a lot better. Uh, I was traveling a lot more when I started out, um, mostly between New York and LA. helped that I had lived in New York before, but um, I got tired, especially with my international travel, and so I've scaled a lot of that back, and now I'm mostly just doing New York and L.A. again, but much less frequent.
0: And are you just kind of teaching other coffee shops how to get up and running? It's, it's
1: everything from, yeah, coffee shops who want to open the door and they need help with layout and equipment selection and procurement and, and uh, architectural drawings, many development, training and hiring. Could be a roaster who wants to get set up, and they need a roastery built, and then they need a staff, and then a green supply chain. I'll pretty much do anything, start to finish, nice. um, because that's the experience I've had in the industry. And you know, I I try to take a lot of notes, so I've learned a lot along the way, um, and hopefully can share those insights with my clients.
0: You uh, mentioned that you bred read and owned every water manual. Is, yeah. is there is there a book of coffee coming from you anytime soon? You see, do you see that down the down Yeah, the pipes I'm, in the I'm
1: uh, slowly, slowly working on one uh, in collaboration with a uh, fermentation expert. Um, it's designed for coffee producers, smallholders, who want to really increase the quality of their coffee based on whatever resources they have available to them. That's awesome. Um, and so it's, it's, a, it's kind of a process engineering book. Focused on empowering small coffee producers. Yeah, so that's the work in progress. I wish I had more time and energy. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty technical stuff, so it's still going. Yeah. And uh, as far as
0: Phoenix, in the next five years, where do you see this
1: company? No, there are a lot of different directions we could go. Um, I don't know, right now we're really focusing on our uh, retail experience and, and our staff. We've invested a lot of money in the last six months in our staff in terms of training and uh, you know, manage, uh, management training program, uh, wage increases to get everyone above a living wage, um, and we're hoping that we'll get some new ideas from that. I think the market in Cleveland is shifting quite a bit, um, and so we're kind of dealing out what that's going to look like in the coming years. It could be more retail stores, it could be who knows?
0: Do you see yourself branching out of this area, or is Cleveland
1: home to Phoenix? Cleveland's home, man. Uh, born and bred. It The original vision is that Phoenix would be a national concept, but I think that we just, what we do, we do so well here, um, that we can find ways to leverage our scale and still grow um, without leaving the region.
0: And uh, as far as growing scale, is that kind of getting into the grocery store instead of Bollinger, Ooh. Starbucks. Pizza. Well,
1: well we, I mean, right now we're in Whole Foods. We're in Constantino's Market. We're, so we, we do have some wholesale accounts that are, are more grocery. And, you know, wholesale business is something that is a traditional model in specialty coffee. But really isn't that interesting to us. We have some ex- excess capacity. So we partner with, with uh, operators who we really, truly love. Um, and so, you know, some of our favorite restaurants are also buying Phoenix coffee, um, which is really cool but that's not necessarily an area we're looking to grow. Um, so I'm sure there's some something creative in the margins that we'll figure out.
0: Yeah, it seems with wholesale, I mean, as soon as I said that out loud, I was like, that would take out like all of the user experience, which seems what, it's what keeps you going, yeah. it feels like. Yeah, exactly.